not only is today a Jubilee Sunday, but it is also Pentecost Sunday. And it is our practice in this church to break into a normal series during Pentecost just to remind ourselves of this great uh, redemptive event of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is significant that three times a year we break, as it were, into our Reformed uh, expository uh, preaching, Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, Easter, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And believe it or not, there is a big connection between the Old Testament's ceremonies or festivals of Jubilee, which we had in Leviticus 25 in our reading, which the word Jubilee today comes from, and the festival of Pentecost. So even though the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, those disciples were just happening to be meeting on that Old Testament festival day. Now, I want you to keep before your eyes one number this evening. So if you forget everything else about the sermon, I don't want you to forget the number 50, right? The number 50. That's the connection between Jubilee, Jubilee Sunday as well today, and Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. So, my message really is an amalgamation of Leviticus 25, Luke chapter 4, and Acts chapter 2. In Leviticus 25, the festival of Jubilee, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ beginning his public ministry filled with the Spirit and proclaiming the Jubilee year of the Lord, the acceptable year of the Lord. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, the Spirit coming down, what did the Spirit do? Enabling the church to proclaim the gospel. So my first point is proclamation. That really is one of the big things about Jubilee and Pentecost. Now let me just give you some background information here. I did uh, have a slip of the tongue uh, when I mentioned at the start of the reading uh, that the beginning of chapter 25 was about sabbaticals. Well, it's not quite sabbaticals, but the seventh year Sabbath, which is where we get sabbaticals from. Since now I've been given a sabbatical, uh, I've got sabbatical on my mind. So after six years, the land was to rest for one year. That was the sabbatical year of the land. And then, after seven sabbatical years, seven times seven is 49. So on the 50th year, it wasn't a sabbatical year in the normal sense. It was a sabbatical of a sabbatical year. And it was called the Jubilee year. And for that Jubilee year, there were other privileges as well. And 
what uh, really uh, was the highlight of the Jubilee year, and this is where proclamation comes, was on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur Day, when the high priest went into uh, not just the uh, holy place, but into the holiest of all, beyond the veil, to sacrifice for the people. On that day, the trumpet blew, announcing the year of Jubilee. So in the Old Testament festival, the Jubilee year, the 50th year, was a year of proclamation. The trumpet proclaimed certain Jubilee blessings. And when Jesus Christ started his three-year ministry, he was anointed by the spirits relevant for Pentecost Sunday, and he proclaimed the jubilee, the spiritual jubilee. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter started what the church was going to repeat again and again, and what we're doing tonight, he proclaimed the gospel. So proclamation. This church is a proclaiming church. Now, somebody may ask, what, what are the uh, benefits of this jubilee that is in Jesus Christ? Uh, we have enjoyed, I'm sure, four days of jubilee. Whatever your political views, um, it's still been good, hasn't it, to have these four days while I was preparing this sermon, there was something on the radio, I don't know if I got it right, about National Tiara Day, that people for that day would wear a tiara to celebrate Queen Victoria, who wore a tiara. So you can have a day to celebrate something, or four days of Jubilee. In the Old Testament, there was a year, one whole year. I don't know if we would survive, would we? Having a full year of Jubilee festivities. But listen, the Old Testament year of Jubilee fades in comparison with what Jesus Christ was proclaiming in that synagogue in Nazareth. It's now an everlasting Jubilee. Isn't that amazing? That the blessings that are in Christ proclaimed by the trumpets of the gospel are blessings not just for a day or four days or for a year, but forever and forever. The queen, as Andy alluded to this morning, will one day die, as all of us will have to die. But King Jesus doesn't die. King Jesus reigns forever and ever, and so the blessings of his reign are forever and ever. So let me just list very quickly some of the privileges that are ours in the jubilee year of Jesus Christ. Christian, Tozer said, do you do downgrade yourself too much? We do, don't we? Especially if we're Welsh, we just keep on talking about how bad things are, and I know things are bad. And then we say, but they're going to get worse. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But what we're doing is forgetting that we have privileges in Jesus Christ. It's like that man in the House of Interpreter in Pilgrim's Progress. He's forever looking at the mud and he's raking the mud. And he's forgetting that above him is a crown being held. Now, what are the privileges of our Jubilee? 
What I'm asking you to do is to look up. Don't look down. Don't look within. But look up. What has Jesus Christ done for us? Well, there are a number of things. In, in the Old Testament, Jesus putting it in New Testament language. What's the first amazing blessing? It's liberty. Liberty. We had that, didn't we, in the reading, uh, both in Leviticus 25 and Luke chapter 4. Uh, then you shall cause the trumpets of the Jubilee to sound on that tenth day of the seventh month on the Day of Atonement, and you shall consecrate that fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land. And Jesus uh, put it beautifully when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's been anointed because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So imagine on the day of atonement, on the 50th year, the trumpet sounded. And if a person was in Bondage, if he was a bond servant, there was no slaves in Israel. But if a person got himself into debt and he was so poor that he couldn't pay off his debt, he would sell himself, as it were. So he became a bond servant then. So imagine a person who, through no fault of his own, because of difficult circumstances, had to become a bond servant. And this is all he's used to for maybe years or decades. And then one day it all changes. As soon as the trumpet blasts, he's free. I've never been to Philadelphia in the United States, but there's a famous bell in one of the buildings in Philadelphia, and it's called the Liberty Bell. And on that bell, I think, is written the verse to proclaim liberty to the captives. Imagine hearing that bell ring and being reminded of that verse. On the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement looked forward to the great atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he set us free. Jesus Christ took the penalty for our sins he became a ransom. He paid the price in order that we who are captive to sin and to the law and to the devil might be set free. Uh, listen to Mr. Spurgeon. Beloved souls now present. <laughs> I like the way he says that. Beloved souls now present. Proclamation is made to you in the Lord's name, that if you are under bondage to sin, there is liberty for you. Faith in Jesus will set you free. If you are in bondage to justice and the broken law of God, there is deliverance. If you are under bondage through fear of death or from the rage of Satan, our divine Lord and Master has come into the world to break these bonds and to proclaim liberty to the captives. You need be bound no longer. Am I speaking to a believer here this evening who is still bound? Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear 
to bondage again, but a spirit of adoption. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Not free to do what you want, but free to serve him. What a blessing. Are you a free man, woman, child of Jesus Christ? Or are you still in bondage? May this proclamation of jubilee set your hearts. That's what we need, isn't it? We want our hearts to be at liberty. That's what I want as a preacher more than anything. That's what I want you to pray for me, what Andy wants you to pray for him as we gather on a Wednesday evening, that there'd be liberty. Don't you want that for yourself, that you wouldn't be bound in your spirits, that you would be free, free to worship, free to serve the Lord. We are still given liberty in this country, aren't we? We are not stopped from meeting together. We are not stopped yet, anyway, from preaching the gospel in the open air. But isn't it sad, in a country that has these liberties, our hearts are often not free. And in parts of the world where you're banned from preaching and where people have to do it and risk uh, fines or worse, there's a spiritual liberty, isn't there? Oh, may God give us spiritual liberty here. So that's one blessing. Uh, we sang, did you notice the illusion in the first hymn? The trumpet sounds. The, you know, these hymn writers, they were full of scripture. What are they referring to? The jubilee trumpet sounds. The note of glad release on Calvary by God's atoning grace. Glad hymns. His heart is free. Glad hymns of praise in every tongue shall tell of Jesus' blood and death that set us free. So that was one blessing. And then another blessing, it wasn't just release. It was restoration. Uh, Leviticus 25, I think verse 10, you shall return to your possession and to your family. Again, in the Old Testament, the land was important and each family within each tribe was given a portion of land. And so that land was your inheritance. But again, if people got into difficulties, if they got into debts, they would have to do the unthinkable and sell their land. So they would lose their inheritance. It was a shameful thing for a Jew to have to do. But, and this is another blessing of the Jubilee, once that trumpet sounded on the Day of Atonement, do you know what happened? All the land that had been sold would be given back in an instant. Isn't, isn't that amazing? And think, I'm trying to make it uh, more contemporary. Think of having a big, huge mortgage. Um, they are big, huge, aren't they, mortgages at the moment? And thinking of the burden that is, having to pay that back. Imagine if there was a proclamation. This would make our government very popular. If there was a proclamation that all mortgages were to be annulled and everybody would just be given uh, their property as gift. No more debts to be paid. I don't know if that would be right. <laughs> but your heart would feel lighter, wouldn't it? Am I right in saying that our former pastor was once, wasn't he given a house? Given the gift of a house. No need to pay a mortgage. 
Do you know you're going to be given a house one day? Not a house, a mansion. You, you know, these people who lost their estates because of debts, uh, they didn't have it as bad as the rest of mankind and them in terms of what our first parents lost. You know, an estate was lost in Eden, in Eden, sad indeed that day. My countless blessings fled away. We really did lose. What did we lose? We lost paradise. What did we gain? Well, we thought we were going to become as gods. We thought we were going to be free, but instead we gained captivity. We gained death. Banishment from Eden. But in Christ, through his death, all that is turned around and paradise is regained. And what's better is this, as we sang this morning, in Jesus, the tribes of Adam boast more blessings than their father lost. We've been given more in Christ than Adam had in paradise when he was perfect. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever your circumstances may be at this moment, whatever your health situation, whatever your finances, whatever your job, whatever your family situation, whatever may happen to our country, in Christ we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. In Jesus Christ we become citizens of a kingdom that is absolutely stable. There are no takeovers in the kingdom of Christ. And we have an inheritance. We begin to enjoy it in this life. That's when it becomes ours. But we don't enter fully into it until we die. And then there is an inheritance uncorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. There's already a reservation sign. I was at a restaurant the other day, and I sat at a table, and I didn't realize that the reason why the table was free, it was a busy restaurant, was there was a reservation sign on the table. I didn't realize I wasn't meant to be there. There's a reserved sign in heaven with your name written on it, like they do in weddings. Because it is going to be a wedding. It's going to be the best wedding reception ever. It's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to enter fully into our inheritance. And we're marrying into wealth. And it doesn't matter what may happen to us in this life. They may take our goods, our life. Something children, wife. Yet is their profit small. The city of God remaineth. Praise God, we have uh, an estate in Jesus Christ. Are you looking forward to going home? Are you looking forward to going to your mansion? I was brought up living in a special school. It wasn't that bad because it was a mansion. And the man who built it, Avery Tipping, he had a desire to plant all sorts of trees from every part of the country in the grounds of the mansion. It was a wonderful place to grow up in. Even though it was a special school for boys with behavioural problems, uh, it probably fitted me well. <laughs> it was a wonderful place to play in. Nothing in comparison to the states we're going to have when we get to glory. So there is going to be restoration. Are you looking forward to that? And then I've got to rush through these things. There's rest. There's rest. That's what happened on the seventh uh, year, the Sabbath year, and on the 50th year. The land was allowed to rest. No tilling. And that, of course, is a lovely picture of the rest that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, when you 
trust in Jesus Christ, there's a rest of soul. We're no longer striving. We're no longer carrying the burden of having to make ourselves right with God as Bunyan's pilgrim carrying this load of sin. The moment we believe in Jesus Christ, that load is transferred to him and we find rest for our souls, don't we? Uh, Some of you have asked me, Pastor, what are you going to do when you have a sabbatical? And all I can say is I'm going to have a sabbat, rest. Rest. Our uh, Moldovan brothers and sisters, they don't believe in such things because they tell us we'll have enough rest when we get to glory. Richard Baxter called heaven the saint's everlasting rest. Jubilee is an interesting word. When you look at it in its New Testament meaning then, this proclamation of all these wonderful blessings, release, restoration, rest, What Jesus Christ did on the cross really proclaims that now. We're already in the Jubilee now. But then there is talk, like the hymn that we just sung, of a Jubilee coming. So when God, as he did on the day of Pentecost, pours his spirit, so there's such amazing power upon the gospel that multitudes are saved. That's like a special Jubilee. And then there's a Jubilee in the future, heaven. Heaven is a Jubilee. So that's the one thing, proclamation, proclamation. This church is here to proclaim the jubilee of the Lord. I don't want us to proclaim anything else. If this church doesn't proclaim Christ or is distracted from proclaiming Christ, we shouldn't exist. This is what one man said. I never uh, got uh, uh, to read the book. But Baxter said, preach as near to preach again as a dying man to dying men. So proclamation. And then there's one more thing before we come to communion. And this is what we're remembering especially today. Power. Don't we need power? Aren't you glad to be in a gospel church? Aren't you glad for the proclamation that's going on, not just in this church, but in other churches in Cardiff, up and down our land in the evangelical movement of Wales? We should be so grateful to the Lord for the way the gospel has been proclaimed. But my, don't we need power upon that proclamation? When Jesus Christ announced in the synagogue, this is the jubilee year, the acceptable year of the Lord, he had just experienced something. Do you know what he'd had? He'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Spirit when he was baptized. If Jesus Christ, the perfect man, was anointed by the Spirit, we need to be. The Spirit works in us when we are saved. We are regenerated by the Spirit. If you're a believer here this evening, you have the Spirit of Christ. You are guided by the Spirit. The Spirit comforts you. The Spirit enlightens you. The Spirit guides you. The Spirit convicts you. But that doesn't mean that we've got the fullness of the Spirit. Only Jesus had the Spirit in terms of no measure. We need to be anointed, filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. And what happened on the day of Pentecost was the beginning of something. Pentecost can't be repeated. It was something unique, but it started off an avalanche that has been repeated again and again and again. Wasn't the evangelical movement of Wales in its beginnings a little avalanche of the Spirit, wasn't it? You can't account for it in any other way. 
people down in uh, Cross Hands, people up in Bangor, they, they weren't in touch with one another. Uh, but just like the snow gathering together on the mountaintop, uh, it was like an avalanche of grace. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Things were coming together. All the different snow pieces were coming together. Uh, the church was meeting in the upper room. They'd been meeting in the upper room for a few weeks because that's what Jesus had told them to do. He told them to tarry, to wait at Jerusalem, to meet, to pray. And so on the day of Pentecost, those believers, 120, they were just doing what they'd done for weeks. I don't think they expected the spirits to come down on that particular day. And then, on the Feast of Pentecost, all of Jerusalem was in a hustle because you had people from all over the then civilized world there. That's God, isn't it? Bringing people of different languages together in one place. When man built the Tower of Babel, uh, people uh, spoke one language and they were trying to get up to God. And God came down and God scattered and God divided by giving us different languages what is happening now on the day of pentecost is that that curse of babel is being reversed so that god now is bringing people together and it's not about us striving to get to god it's about god coming down in the power of the spirit and even though there are going to be different languages still he's going to give the gift to the church to proclaim the gospel in each of those languages so by the end of the day people will say we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of god isn't that your story i heard in my tongue i heard in welsh i heard in welsh my mother tongue from a gentleman that looked as if he was from another century, but I still heard the wonderful works of God. Now, you may say to me, Pastor, you're talking about an avalanche and all the snow gathering. Well, I, I'm just a little snowflake. Well, join the club. Join the club. I'm a snowflake as well. But, you know, it only takes one extra snowflake for the avalanche to start. Who knows? Who knows? Why am I saying that these disciples didn't think it was that day that the spirits would come down? They were expecting, right? They were meeting with expectation. But none of them knew at what time the spirit was to come. Do you realize, let's turn to Acts 2. What were they doing when the spirits came down? What were they doing? These were Jewish believers. So if you were a Jew, if you were praying, you had to be prostrate or on your knees. If you were reading the word of God, you would have been standing. What were they doing? They were sitting. The end of verse 2. They were sitting. We, we can imagine that maybe they were just having their meal. Maybe they had been praying for a few hours or reading the word. And now they were just going to take a break and they were just having a meal. Or maybe they were just sitting because they needed a rest. And then what do we read? One of my favorite words. Said suddenly suddenly aren't you glad of that suddenly these were people who didn't deserve the anointing of the spirit suddenly suddenly 50 i started with 50 as i'm coming to an end 50 the 50th year was the jubilee year. 50 days after the passover pentecost isn't that interesting 
Pentecost was about fruits, uh, the Passover, and then there was the Feast of First Fruits, which was the resurrection, which is the shoots, the green shoots of recovery. They often talk about green shoots of recovery in politics. It doesn't mean anything of the sort. It's same old, same old. But the green shoots of recovery, when Jesus rose from the dead, was the real deal. And then Pentecost, 50 days or so later, was the bumper crop. So people were thinking of fruits. Imagine the jubilee year, the 50th year, the land being untilled for a whole year. It was full of fruit. It's popular today, isn't it, just to let everything grow. Uh, it would never have happened a generation ago. You couldn't have weeds. But now people grow weeds as if it's the next best thing. Because it's good for the bees, isn't it? It is good for the bees. I'm right in that. So Pentecost was fruit. So when the gospel was proclaimed by Peter in Acts 2, and Peter, think about it now, Peter, he was a bit like Prince Andrew, wasn't he, in a way? He denied his master. He was not worthy to be in that upper room. Maybe we would have cancelled him. How dare he appear in the service, considering what he's done? And yet God is a God of grace. And the restored Peter, filled with the Spirit, proclaimed the gospel, not in a fancy way, in a simple way. And how many people were saved? 3,000? What a crop. Spiritual harvest. I've been blessed by Scrivener, Scrivener, reading between the lines. At Pentecost, everyone would be thinking of fruits. And Peter is about to tell the crowd, Jesus, the first fruit from the dead, has risen, guaranteeing a bumper crop of new life. And isn't that true? Since that glorious day of Pentecost, there's been crop after crop. And even this church is proof of that. The only explanation for the existence of Heath Church is the gospel proclaimed in the power of the Spirit. There's no other explanation. And my prayer for the future of this church is that the Lord will keep us proclaiming the same Jesus Christ and the measure of power we know. There is a measure. You can't explain our existence otherwise. But oh, that we would know a blessed outpouring. Did, did, did you expect it to rain as you were coming here tonight? I was coming out and I didn't take a coat. It didn't look as if it was going to rain. And then by the t- it must have been the change from Penarth to the heath, because there is a slight incline. By the time I got here, it was pouring. Suddenly, suddenly. I was going to change the hymn even, Brian, to Lord, I hear of showers of blessing. Oh, would to God that we would have those spiritual showers of blessing. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing... In Andhra Pradesh, I've been in places where there are showers of blessing. In Moldova, God can do the same here. And he can do it in a moment. Who knows whether the difficulties we've been through recently is a precursor for a time of jubilee, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm coming to a conclusion, I promise. I've just got a quote here which I like. We are not going to move the world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the com- 
combustion within it. I like that. The combustion within it of lives. Uh, of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. It was like a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't like. So people would have heard it. It was like cloven tongues of fire. People would have seen it. And if you had fire on your head, you would feel it. What am I saying? I'm saying it's palpable when God comes down. Sometimes, and there is nothing wrong with this, we say to ourselves, that was a blessed meeting, wasn't it? And most people may think that was the case. Others may say, well, it was all right. (laughs) I don't think they were doing that on the day of Pentecost. There was something so palpable. And the fact that the people round about mistook the disciples for being drunk, that shows, surely, that it just changed their appearance. Have you watched the interviews of, it was done, I think, in the middle of the 20th century, of those that were converted in the 0405 revival? Have you seen those interviews? What always strikes me is the faces of the people being interviewed. They just look so clean. Well, brothers and sisters, it's the jubilee. It is the jubilee. And we are to proclaim, sound the trumpets. Sound the trumpets in the Sunday school. Sound the trumpets in the open air. Sound the trumpets in the Sunday services. Sound the trumpets in whatever meetings we have. The note of glad release. There's nothing heavy about this gospel. And seek to do it in the power of the Spirit. I've been reading again Martin Lloyd-Jones on revival. Did some of you hear him preach this series, 1959? Uh, Not long after the Queen's coronation, a few years after. And I just want to encourage you here. You may just feel like a snowflake. You know, who am I? Who am I to be filled with the Spirit? And this is what Dr. Martin said. Uh, extraordinary gifts of speech is given to people during revival. People who, if they did ever take part in the prayer meeting, were very halting and very uh, hesitant. They suddenly begin to pray with an amazing eloquence, with extraordinary richness of language that they were never capable of. There were many instances of this. I once met a man who well remembered the revival of 1904 and 1905 in Wales, and he told me what happened to his own minister. They had had this man as minister in their church for a number of years. He was an able man who always preached what they would call a good and a sound sermon. I think that describes most of us preachers. We can preach a good and a sound sermon. But he was always halting and hesitant. He coughed a lot and was a poor speaker in every respect apart from his subject matter. Now, this man attended a presbytery meeting one day, not the most interesting of meetings. At this particular presbytery, numbers of other ministers were giving reports of the events which had taken place in their churches during the revival, and it wasn't a committee meeting. Imagine a church council meeting. That's the nearest we've got to a presbytery meeting or an elders meeting. Instead of the normal business items on the agenda, we were having reports of God moving by his spirits. And you know what happened? The man listened and he came back to his own church completely transformed 
as a preacher. He went into the pulpit the next Sunday and they really could scarcely believe that he was the same man. All the hesitation had gone. All the impediments had disappeared. He spoke with freedom, with authority, and with a power such as they had never known from him before. That was a jubilee, wasn't it, for that church. May this time of jubilee, this is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. But may we know a little jubilee. May Wales know a spiritual jubilee. And may we all look forward to the jubilee that is ahead. Onward march, we're going to sing now. Onward march, all conquering Jesus. And there's a reference here to the jubilee. And I think, William, is it Williams Pantacellian again? Uh, Williams is mentioning here the time of worldwide revival, that the jubilee is near. He's not thinking of a, um, a royal jubilee as we've been thinking uh, so let's sing this hymn, which is really a prayer.
in heaven, we praise Thee that we are marching, not just as individuals, but as a company of people to Zion, our heavenly home. And we pray, O oh God, that even uh, here now, we would know a jubilee coming near in this time of gospel proclamation. We thank Thee that it is the favourable, the jubilee year of the Lord. Help me, help Andy, help all of us to sound that trumpet, Lord. And may the Spirit be the one that uh, empowers the Word. And, O oh Lord, may we even know what it is to just be lost in wonder, love, and praise. Continue with us now as we come to this thy table. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>